the book and the pen are just separately two items, right? But when you put them together and you use them, they form a key to a door that is going to open up the first of many doors on your path to success. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, I got a special one today. I got Robert Frederick with me. He's a Navy Special Operator, and he's currently working through the Honor Foundation and transitioning to the civilian workforce. This episode's uh, really special to me because it, there's a few purposes behind it. You know, we have two goals with it. We're going to help our listeners understand how military training transfers to the civilian world. And then with Robert, we're going to extract some of the lessons and philosophies that Robert's gained from his extensive military career. Robert, welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks, Doug. Thanks for the opportunity. Much appreciated. Absolutely, brother. So we we met through a mutual friend, Brenda Nekvital. And um, she does work with the Honor Foundation. And she mentioned you, and she was just singing your praises. And uh, when, when she started telling me about your background and everything and what you were looking for, I kind of, like, realized, hey, I've got a few people in my network that could use someone like that. You know what I'm saying? So she, she was like, do you think you have someone for that? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So she set up a call between us. We hit it off. I think we talked for like an hour or something like that. And uh, that's kind of how we met. And so, um, Robert, can you tell me what you currently do in the the Navy right now? Well, yeah, basically I'm a staff nerd, you know, Mm -hmm. a man at keyboard. And, yeah, I've I've elevated up to the organizational leadership level. So I do, you know, a lot of like futuristic planning, um, you know, engage with the various theaters globally, finding out how to address the problems they currently have, how to posture for future problems, Mm -hmm. assess, assess the risk, um, the logistics behind moving people around. And, and I, I kind of just sanity check what their plans are and see if it makes sense, like what they, what they are intending to do. And then Mm -hmm. we run it through you know, our SMEs, our subject matter experts, mm-hmm. take a look at it and say, you know, is this feasible? Could you do it with this many people or boats? Or do you need more? Or do we even have that much in the inventory? Mm-hmm. If not, how would we get it to that? You know, that's, that's kind of what I do now. So you're, you know, taking some of the, I guess, grander out of it. You're an operations manager, sounds like. <laughs> so Basically, you essentially. Yeah. Yeah. You deploy the, the operation needed for whatever country or whatever embassy. Um, I think you, you would say that you're you're working with the Department of Defense, correct? Correct. OK, very cool. So um, what what got you into special forces in general? Because what you're doing now is very different than than what you used to do. Right. So, you know, was it like a childhood dream? Did you see a movie and were like, hey, I want to do that. I want to go be a cowboy or what got you into special forces? Yeah, it's actually funny you mentioned that because my brother just brought it up the other day. We went to boot camp together um, back in 2001, and it, it was a video. It was a recruiting video for SWIC, which is Special Warfare Boat Operators. Mm-hmm. And um, there's five special programs in the Navy. 
One of them is SWIC. And so each of those five programs got up and showed a video and talked about their communities. And what got me into this job was they just had the coolest video. It was boats coming out. Of, I mean, that was it. That yeah. my entire decision was based off the coolest video is boats dropping out of planes, jumping waves, machine mm-hmm. guns. It just looked so like high adrenaline, high energy, just exactly what I wanted. And, and so I, you know, they checked my um, aptitude scores for the Navy and I, I was good. I went down to the pool and I did the swim, run, push up, sit up, pull up and the past. And then. Next thing you know, I've finished boot camp and they whisked me off to San Diego for training. <laughs> That's nice. kind of how it all happened. It wasn't like this. Honestly, my whole life, I thought I was going to be a Marine. I grew up watching Full Metal Jackets and I just <laughs> I just loved the video. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was my stepdad who was who was in the Navy for a few years. He, he actually talked me into the Navy uh, my senior year of high school. But there I don't come from a military family. It mm-hmm. just, you know, I just knew that if I stuck around Waco, Texas, too long i was probably gonna end up in jail or something stupid and i needed to, to go and then fortunately for me you know 9-11 happened yeah. and being a loud proud flag waving texan that i am me mm-hmm. and ten thousand other people were you know lined up to go so a world event kind of stimulated that plan into action yeah absolutely yeah i guess we're we're at that point now where people's enlistment in the military was triggered by that you know and i guess uh you know a lot of the younger guys that's gonna that's gonna be their story too i would imagine so um swick so the the boats you know i didn't really understand what you meant when you said you know i think you said like military boats or these like i i thought you were talking about like the ships in the navy and they were just smaller versions of the big you know naval ships you see or whatever And then you said, hey, go watch uh, Active Valor, right? And uh, I remember that movie, but what I didn't remember about it is that it was actual SEALs and special operators that acted out the movie, right? The, the, it wasn't actors, right? Correct. Yeah, and, and so right away when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, because they, the acting was horrible, right? <laughs> yeah. But it was that really it cool. Was. It was really cool to see the dialect, like the real dialect that they used and how they assess the situation. You know, we uh, we do this uh, program in Apex called Apex Evolution. And so that program, you know, not only does it test you physically, but they put you through, you know, some, uh, I guess, the very fast version of some military training and how they approach operations, you know. And so it was kind of cool to see them actually go through that. When I watched it before, I had no idea. You know, so it was just a movie to me before. And then you talked about those boats. And when, when that boat ran up on the riverbank and just freaking toasted all the enemy, it was just so cool. I was like, man, that's what, that's what Robert used to do. That's pretty freaking awesome. Um, and so you've got some pretty cool stories from that. Uh, you and your team. So I can't remember. Did you say you were a consultant for Active Valor or you had – you know, your team was actually shot in that movie? Well, the reason I bring that up is like, we're a very unknown community, mm-hmm. even within the Navy. Yeah. And it, it's just hard to explain. And, and since that movie is pretty mainstream, a lot of people have seen it. It's easiest just to say, have you seen Active Valor? Do you yeah. remember the boat scene? That's yeah. what I do in the Navy. And it gotcha. kind of just like, all right, I don't have to draw these analogies and like explain. Yeah. It's just, 
Yeah, my my team filmed the uh, coastal scene down in Key West with uh, the the yacht takedown, and very so cool. it was just it was very interesting to see the the difference between like Hollywood movie mm-hmm. director. Like we spent all day just shooting like one scene over and over and over Pretty again. Crazy. Yeah, but they had to use real um operators because you know unfortunately for hollywood i don't think charlie sheen and tom hank should be driving a 10 million dollar boat you know what i mean no. the the risk of that is pretty high so it it, it was a i think the intent of that movie was to boost recruiting mm-hmm. and i'm sure it did that you know because it oh, is pretty absolutely. heart pumping one of the premises behind that movie is like those individual scenes you know the guy di- diving on the grenade um the guy who got shot 26 times. Those are all real stories that have happened. Mm-hmm. They just are fic- fictionally portrayed in the movie, but they're based off real yeah. events. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. When you see those scenes, it's just like, dude, I did. I, you know, it brought me to tears again when he jumped on that grenade. It was just like, oh, I can't imagine. Like, you, you think you know what you're going to do in that moment, but like, yeah. do you really know what you're going to do? You know, and you, you don't know until it actually happens. And then, you know, you find out, but, uh, you know, I think we'd all like to think we'd jump on that, that sucker, but, uh, right. All right. So let's talk about your career a little bit. You know, I I got very interested in it when I was looking at your resume. And one of the things you said on there was stimulating foreign military sales. So like when I read that, the first thing I think of is like Iron Man and, you know, Robert Downey (laughs) Jr. Like, flying above, uh, you know, military testing facility and showing them basically, you know what I mean? And that's what I'm thinking in my head. But but it's actually a a very finesse thing that you used to do. And can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, that that line item in particular, you know, looking more in like the sales business world was, it wasn't something that I primarily did at my embassy job, Mm -hmm. but it was, it became part of it. it. part of that approach I was talking about, you know, the rule of 10 and like, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, we, we would come in with all kinds of new equipment, boats and guns and stuff like that. And if the host nation was interested and it was legal to, Mm -hmm. you know, sell them those things, they'd want to buy boats and planes and guns and things like that. And, Mm -hmm. And I would just make that connection, you know, like the host nation would say, yeah, we're really interested and we want to buy these boats for our, our, uh, SWAT team. And I'm like, okay, I have, I don't do that, but I know the person at the embassy who does. And then I would introduce them and then they would, you know, off, they would run with it, but it was just a problem that they wanted to solve. And and they came to me to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And as I'm learning to translate all this experience, you know, like we had our conversation, yeah. you know, like you said, that's very business development type a guy who just kind of knows and just, you know, makes connections and introduces people and, and makes things happen. And so I, I threw that in there as a, maybe it would catch somebody's eye. Oh yeah. Caught my eye. And then, yeah. when, and then when you told me about it, like I'm walking through, so, you know, one of the uh, abilities that I have in, in my business is training and a lot of training is translating. Right. And so when I look at, you know, what you did in that model, you know, there, there's really two major pieces of it. One is lead generation, right? You're going out mm-hmm. and in your normal operation, you have an ability to 
basically prospect for military sales. You're not doing it on purpose. It just happens naturally, right? And then the second piece of that is is the relationship building, you know. And when you look at a business development role in uh, anything, anybody that sells anything to the military or to just corporations, uh, that's it right there. It's lead generation and it's relationship building, you know. And so um, that skill set absolutely translates to the civilian world. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think I told you is just have a lot of confidence in that. You know what I mean? Because who can say they've sold or they have, you know, generated a lead that sold a $10 million boat? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that. Right. And then, and then that they generated leads that uh, uh, created military sales, you know. And so there really isn't a price point that I think you would be afraid of. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, like, you know, people that sold uh, home services or something like that, maybe the biggest thing they sold was five grand, you know. And so, you know, you've basically generated uh, millions of dollars in military sales. And so that's that's what business development is, 100%. So I think it translates really well. And um, so you mentioned the rule of 10 earlier. And this is something Mm -hmm. that you've kind of came across in your career. And so can you walk us through the the rule of 10? Yeah, and that kind of it all kind of ties together, you know, like that for military sales wasn't my job at all, but Mm -hmm. my access and placement and the relationships, the trust that I had um, in that job that I built over time is just what made it very turnkey for me that somebody asked about a a particular topic. And I'm like, yeah, I know a guy who can do that for for you. And I just introduce him that that was one of them. But Mm -hmm. I I developed what I call the rule of 10. Actually, I've taught this and, you know, that that tour is still paying me to this day and um, good relationships and friendships. But I, I would tell, you know, you have to understand for us in the special operations community, or even the military community, we are in an organization that is built to support the warfighter. Mm-hmm. You know, so every, if you go to um, any one of the teams, like all of the departments are there to support, whatever that war fighting entity is a, a tank battalion, a seal platoon, a boat detachment, the fighter squadron, whatever. And so when you get into working in the state department, um, diplomatic world, it's a whole different ball game because those people don't owe you anything. Like they can wake up, go through their whole day and not talk to you and be successful. So the only way that you can, get things done in that space is to get to build a bond that transcends rank and title and just get to know them as like Doug and Rob, you know? And the way I approached that was just like, if you always come to somebody with a problem or if you need something, they eventually get tired of you coming around. Mm -hmm. And I would have to work with the guys that would come in and be like, look, just go by and say, hi. You know, I called them trust deposits, you know, and I say only if you talk to somebody 10 times on the 10th time, should you ask them for a favor? And and it doesn't have to be this grandiose hour long chit chat. It can just be as simple as saying good morning or, you know, bringing a cup of coffee by if you know they're having a hectic morning and they like lattes or asking about their daughter's dance recital or just showing a genuine interest in them, you know, ask about their cats or their dogs or the cowboys, whatever. And you, and you do that through what I call trust deposits is just, you know, casual conversations and with no agenda, you have to approach people with no agenda in mind, just go by and just be a nice person. And then eventually 
uh, a day will come that you need something from that individual and, and they'll be happy to help you out, you know, versus every time they see you, it's because your hair's on fire and you need something. There's some emergency problem. And I'll explain to guys, like, imagine everybody comes to work each day with a plate of food. And before they go home, they have to eat that whole plate. And it's already got more food than they can eat on it. And so when you walk up, you've got, you represent like a triple bacon cheeseburger that you're going to slap onto that plate that they now, they want to help you out. They're going to have to eat all the stuff they have to eat, plus your triple bacon cheeseburger. And so when I say like, what can I do for you? My approach is to come around every day and take a few things off that plate for them. Right. And so that one day I come around to slap the cheeseburger down. They're like, I got you, man. What do you need? Yeah. But it takes, it takes time to do that. You know, you can't just drop in and do that kind of stuff overnight. Yeah. I love it. I mean, and probably my favorite part of that concept or that philosophy is the trust deposit piece. You know, it, it makes sense in relationship building that, you know, you, you have 10 interactions or 10, um, occurrences before you ask for anything because you're building that relationship but then when you talk about trust deposits that's what that interaction is right and when you when you talk about sales philosophy in general you know one of the best sales philosophies is people buy who they know like and trust and so by the time you get to that 10th or that ninth trust deposit they know like and trust you there's just there's no way around it especially if you haven't asked for anything from them you know and so i i love that rule that's a that's a great rule to live by and to work by 100 percent. yeah it's funny you had said to me after i explained a lot of this stuff that like you said you understand business better than a lot of people who've been in business Mm -hmm. you know and and that made me feel good it kind of brought my anxiety down a little Mm -hmm. bit because i'm going from a, a comfortable military environment that I've had a paycheck on the first and the 15th for 21 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't had to worry about medical, dental, life insurance, any of that kind of stuff. It's a very comfortable bubble that we live in Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out like how I'm going to translate that into a civilian sector. And I'm like, well, I know how to do all these things in a military setting, but what does that mean to you? And so to hear you say, dude, you understand business. Like you use different words and you're, Experiences are different, but the concepts are like solid. And the fact that you naturally do that is, is good. It made me, it brought my stress levels down quite a bit Yeah, hearing you say that. As you have more conversations with civilian business owners or the civilian business world, I think you're going to find you're, you're highly qualified for what you're about to do, you know? And, um, I think that's, that's, that's kind of the the big perp or the big message I wanted to send to our listeners on this podcast because we have a lot of sales centric listeners, right? You know, huge organizations, solar roofing, you know, whatever the case may be. And what they're miss they're missing in their business is a referral partner generator is what I like to call them, a relationship builder like you're talking about, but also that military operator mindset feeds into an integrator role so well. So when you look at um, EOS, which EOS is a a model that a lot of small businesses run on, right? Because there's not this big corporate hierarchy already in place from a Fortune 500 company. And so they pick up a a book by Gino Whitman called Traction or Rocket Fuel. And they're like, okay, this is a good platform for me to operate on. You know, very not similar in strategy, but similar, you know, it's just another platform like, 
you know, special operations operates on. You know, you have your hierarchy of things that you have to attack, right? And so uh, in, that, in that hierarchy is a, is a visionary, which is typically the business owner, and then the integrator, which is like the number two, and the, the person that is the best coach on the team. You know what I mean? The uh, one that can kind of, you know, the visionary has all these ideas and the integrator is able to implement them. Or once they are implemented them, make sure that they're running smoothly, you know. And a lot of military operators, because of their background and their training, are able to transition into that integrator type role. And I see it all the time in, in, in my business. And then I'm sure Brenda sees it all the time through the Honor Foundation. And uh, I know um, uh, Zach Hughes with the Elite Meet, you know, so he worked for them for the longest time transitioning special forces into uh, the civilian business world. So that's, you know, one of the things I really want to drive home is if you're, if you're having trouble finding that person that can help you out with the operational side of the business, you might need to look at prior military. Prior military in general, but in particular special operations because you guys are just trained on how to handle crisis, how to handle expansion, how to handle um, basically think on your feet, you know, which is a big deal uh, when you're expanding a business, you know. And so it, it translates so well. And uh, I wanted to make sure we covered that as well as, you know, extracted some of that, uh, some of those philosophies that you have in your experience and everything. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about is what, you know, so obviously being in special forces and uh, prior military, I'm sure most people put you in this box. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, he's going to be analytical. He's going to be metrics-based. Probably not really creative, right? But you actually have been practicing creative writing for a while now. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, I went to um, – well, let me, let me back up a little bit because I want to, like, add about – what you just said, okay. like what you just described in the, um, the enforcer, what was that role you integrated integrated. It's so natural for us. Cause that's just how we think, right? Mm -hmm. We have a commanding officer. We have a commander that gives us a vision or an, a, an intent, right? A mm -hmm. stated intent and an end state. This is my commander's intent. This is my end state where I want to be with a timeline. And then once we have that off in the distance, we're like, okay, in order to get to there, we need, to, and we build, a strategy from right now, like what do I need to do this hour, this day, week, month, year to get to that? And then we hold people accountable to those many milestones along the way. And it's just so natural for us, you know, like you could, you could, I mean, we do it at home, probably drive our families crazy with it, you know, like, oh, we need to go to the Portsmouth Naval Hospital and be there at 1015. And we just go right into well, we need to leave by this time to get through the tunnel and parking and traffic and this. So we need to walk out the door no later than boom. And we like, we're just so good at dry. It's so easy for us to do that. And, and then if we have a traffic accident in front of us, we have alternate routes planned. <laughs> right. And that's the other thing is like, once we've, once we've figured out the plan, which we'll spend 10% of our mental bandwidth on, because that's the easy part is figuring out how to make it go right. Then we dive into the contingencies and start figuring out all the things that could potentially go wrong or hinder us from getting to that objective. And then we, we figure out alternate plans, um, how to posture to like mitigate or prevent some of these things. And so we just dive into this full spectrum, like how are we going to get there successfully? 
And a lot of times when those contingencies start to happen, we just roll, we blow right through it because we've already discussed it. We already have an alternate plan in place and we're just like bump and everybody just goes. And so I think you take, you take that into like your world and you just give a guy a a goal and a time and just let him figure it out. You know, he he probably will. So so many integrators in my world, the way that I see them operate is, okay, here's the plan. And they start executing the plan as if nothing is going to go wrong. So they don't put those contingencies in place and something goes wrong and then they got to come up with a new plan. You know what I mean? Right. And then they just, they, along the path over a year, they've got six different plans and it is as a, as a visionary and an integrator in my business, it gets exhausting because I don't have the bandwidth to create all these contingencies. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm doing both roles. Right. And so, um, that's where the, the military style integrator comes in and has those contingencies in place and is ready for the, that type of stuff. So, Awesome. I hope, hopefully that hit home with some listeners out there to be like, why are we good at it? And yeah. like, what, what we, for you is like, Doug, you're like, Hey Rob, this is where I want to go. And, and when I want to be there and I'm going to go do some research and I'm going to come back to you typically with three courses of action mm-hmm. and say, Hey, here's three ways to get. So you have control and buy-in in this, process and you get to we call it steering you get to steer it course correct and you're like hey i I really like plan b let's go with that and then now we're going to dive into the more details with the the pros the cons the contingencies and and we're going to keep briefing you along the way and so you have the ability to kind of adjust the plan but you're not the one doing all the work right Right. like they're doing 98 percent of it and you're just giving little critiques and so it's a beautiful system um but we'll we'll move on to the next topic yeah, so you know, one of one of the things that's incredibly important in the world that we live in is is social media. And I express this to you uh in detail, but the beautiful thing about that is you're kind of already doing it without knowing, right? So one of the hardest things to do right now, one of the most valuable tools that anybody has is the ability to write copy or write period, right? And so that there's literally like businesses that operate this way. So like if I want, if I need help, you know, writing solar ads and stuff like that, I can reach out to a copywriting company and they'll write the ads for me. Right. There's also AI technology that will do it as well. And so, um, but beyond that, you know, and kind of going back to your rule of 10, uh, a big strategy in small business right now, and this is how we get past the big companies spending all the ads, whether it's solar, whether it's roofing or home services or um, security or whatever the case is, right? The way that we get past that is we build social media relationships, right? So when I post on social media, I'm giving value, giving value, giving value. And then when I actually ask for something, it's like a donation to the Movember campaign or it's, uh, you know, um, market research for solar or it's... uh, hey, I'm taking on three consulting clients in Q1 of 2023. You know, if you're interested, you know, set up a call with me, whatever the case is. So those are all ass. But those are ass I'm giving after doing three podcast episodes a week that people can get value from, posting twice a day, and, you know, letting them in, basically creating familiarity. But it's all writing. You know what I mean? And all, all a podcast is is spoken writing, right? And so it's all writing. Writing is incredibly important right now because it's it is it's a unique art because so many people just want to 
put the video in front of them and do this. It's become this like where video used to be the rare thing that people would do. Now it's like so common. Then when people actually write, they take the time to put a good story together. Um, people take more notice and they appreciate that more. You know, so I know that you've dabbled in some creative writing in the past. What what got you into that? Well, I went to Walter Reed uh, National Military Medical Center for I had su suffered a traumatic brain injury back in 2019. And I went up there to their TBI ward and they do creative art as a form of um, therapy. And I've always just been good with words and poetry, even back, you know, in grade school. And um, it's, it's funny because in our line of work, like when you leave a command, we'll give you a paddle. And it, on the front, it'll have like the date to your service and, you know, some memorabilia and things. But if the people really liked you, if you flip it around to the back, there's a roast. There's like a slam poetry on the back. And I... <laughs> And it, awesome. and, it's usually, and it's usually brutal and it's funny and like we'll we'll get together, you know, outside of work, a barbecue or a restaurant or bar or something. And we'll just kind of it's like a roast, you know, to say goodbye. And I've, I've become the unofficial paddle roast guy everywhere I've been. So it was just kind of natural. I, but what the first story I wrote was called The Book and the Pen. And I, I my like message to the to the leaders of the military today is like these um, younger servicemen and women, like to them, nine 11 was a something they learned about in history class. Right. You know what I mean? They're, they're 18, 19, 20 years old now. So nine 11 is before they were born and they don't have this deep seated conviction to serve and defend their nation. Like we did when, you know, I, I would imagine it's probably the same during Pearl Harbor, right? Yeah. Like people. And so that's dwindling away. Right. And at the same time, you've got they're they're smarter and they're more capable than we were when we joined. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're more informed. You know, they can they can fact check you with their iPhone as you're speaking to them. Yeah. Where when I came in the Navy, if I wanted to fact check my chief, I had to go like to a library and pull out a big Navy pub. And, you know, like anybody got time for that. Right. You yeah. just you you did what chief said, because that's the way the military worked. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that was it. And nowadays that doesn't work like the younger generation wants to ask why they want to, they want to know why they want to be informed and so it's like how do you take an like old school it's kind of funny that i would say old school but <laughs> like, like older wisdom that i learned and like translate it in a way that they can understand and then it's like uh, Jennifer Aniston in the um, in the breakup with Vince Vaughn when she's like i want you to want to do the dishes you know <laughs> yeah it's like you know, for like for me, when I was a young sailor, I showed up to a meeting. I didn't have a book and a pen and an old crusty chief shoved one into my chest with some colorful language and told me, don't ever do that again. And that was it. I've never gone to a meeting without a book and a pen. Right. Like, that's all I needed. But now now they're going to say, well, why? <laughs> you know, yeah. why? Why? And so the book and the pen was a, a story about how it it forms a key. And it, that book and that pen is, is the key to your future. Right. Mm -hmm. And the metaphor is that like the book and the pen are just separately two items. Right. But when you put them together and you use them, they form a key to a door that is going to open up the first of many doors on your path to success, but you can't open that door. 
right? The only thing that you can do is make the key and someone else has to open it for you. And why it, why the book and the pen is important is if, if you just show up on time in your uniform, shave, have a haircut, you know, the basics, right? Show up, be a good dude. Or, and you have this book and pen and you write everything down and you check it throughout the day. You know, you'll, you won't forget to do anything, right? Before you go home, check it, be like, oh, I forgot to do that, do it. And then over time, what happens is your leadership starts to notice that you're dependable, right? They see that you, you give this um, presence that you're committed because you're always there with your book and your pen, right? And then you never forget to do anything because the book reminds you not, and you don't forget, right? So then you become dependable. And once they see you as dependable, that's when the trust starts to form. And once they trust you, that's when you've turned the book and the pen into a key, right? And then what happens is an opportunity is going to come along, probably more in the military than in the civilian world, uh, a short notice deployment, a high value school, you know, good orders to Italy or something, mm -hmm. right? And they're going to have to pick somebody to go and, and they're going to pick you because they trust you, right? And they're going to take the, that key that you've made now with the book and the pen they're going to open up that door and send you through it. And then you're going to show up to the next door. Your reputation is going to arrive before you. Mm -hmm. They're going to assign you bigger and better things to do. You're going to crush them because, you you know, every day you still have your book and your pen. And then you gain knowledge, you gain experience. But if you if you trace it all the way back, you know, you're competent. You're confident because you're competent. You're competent because of your knowledge and experiences you have knowledge and experience because of your opportunities. You were given opportunities because people trusted you. People trusted you because you were dependable. You were seen as dependable because you always had a book and a pen. So at the very core of why you ended up in this position is because you started off. And so my intent is like to give that to the younger generation, whether it's your first day on the job at McDonald's, right out of college, boot camp, whatever. Cause people always ask me like, what's the key to success? You know, you, you made it high in the enlisted ranks and in, in the special operations community. And I'm like, well, there's really no, it's it, the answer is not as glamorous as you think it is. Right. Just be on time with the right uniform and equipment and have a book and a pen, like just start with that and everything else will start falling into place, you know? And if you can have a smile that helps too. Right. Yeah. And so there's not this like magical and that's, that's an issue, you know, it's like the younger, they want everything fast. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I want it now, now, now it's like, no, this, this is a, a lifelong commitment. Right. And it's going to take time, but if you just do it, like you said, in your last podcast, I listened to it's your disciplines, right? Mm -hmm. This just becomes part of your discipline and you know, it'll do wonders for you. And so what I've done is I've actually taken the time to write these personal heartfelt messages on that stained paper I saw, I sent, you know, and I mm -hmm. burned it and made it look old yeah. and I sit down and I go to the, to the store and I buy a $2 book and a pen and I give it to them and I explain what I just explained to you. And I, I give them this heartfelt message and now they want to want to do the dishes right now. Yeah. They understand the value of using it and they're going to use the book and the pen for the rest of their life, probably. But if I just say, you will have a book and a pen because I said so, yeah. those days are gone, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, old guys. You know, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm talking to my own peer group. 
Like those days are gone because, because chief said so, or because I said, so it doesn't work anymore. But if you just take a little bit of time to sit down and get to know people and figure out how you can craft a message in a, a way they can understand it, whether it's horse racing or football or something that like they're excited about, you know, you'll get buy-in. And once you have that buy-in, you know, that's where you start to build that trust with the, with those people. And, you know, they'll, they'll go to the end of the earth for you. I love the message. And there's so many good points I want to take out of that. The first is, you know, every, every Gen Z person on earth needs to hear that message. You know what I'm saying? Because it, <laughs> well, it does, it speaks to them, you know, because there is a why behind the order or the request, yeah. whatever you want to call it. The, the second there's thing, your why yeah there's your <laughs> why yeah the second thing is uh man parents need to hear it you know and it, the first thing i mm-hmm. thought of when you said why you know the when the kids say why is my son my middle son you know what i mean he's the why why yeah add misunderstood always talking back you know what i'm saying but when i take the time to explain things to him and, and then it clicks finally then he's a, he's amazing right and so um, the book and the pen is just a great story that I think I need to remind myself as a parent, hey, I'm going to have to give them that why if I want the best out of them, you know, instead of always just, and I, and I was, I was raised by a military stepdad. So it was do what I say to do when I say to do it. And that's it. There is no why there is no, you know what I mean? Investigation into this. Yeah. Know? And so uh, I think that's very uh, gumblick, right? Because you yeah. told me to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and look, you know, and some people will, and we call them good employees, and we call them good salespeople, or whatever the case is. They will do it just because you said to do it. You know what I'm saying? But imagine what you can get out of them if they understood why. You know, and so because you get the buy-in, and that that once you have the buy-in, that's where things really change. That's where you become you you go from being a boss to a leader, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's an important step. It's like anybody can be a boss. It's like, do what I say because I said so. Yeah. But when you turn, when you move up to becoming a leader, it's because you get buy-in and you get buy-in by taking time to talk and invest in people. But in this fast paced world, people don't want to take the time. And that's, so, unfortunately, that's the world we live in, right? Like, Absolutely. So I've got a few more things to cover before we wrap up. But, you know, the, the first thing is, is everybody talks about supporting the military and, you know, backing the military and, you know, waving their flag and everything. But, you know, very too few chances do civilians like myself or business owners get the chance to actually serve our military and for serving us. Right. And so um, this is one of the ways that I think we can. You know, when you have that operator type position or business development, even sales manager or salesperson, you know, really start seeking out those military resumes because I think you'll find there's gold in them. And um, if you can if you can align their military training with the position that you have available, then it's 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 going to be deadly for you. It's going to be highly profitable for you. And you'll have an opportunity to give back to our military, which has given us so much. So I just want to make sure that drive that last point home. And then I'm going to put you on the spot, Robert. I ask all my guests this. And if you've only listened to my solo episodes, you don't know about it. But um, at the end of every episode, I ask them basically, what does legacy mean to you? 
and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Uh, the legacy that I want to leave behind is somebody who, who just helped people, help mm-hmm. people get to where they, no matter what your goal was, you know, um, whether it's get your bachelor's degree or join the military, whatever, just like help you get to whatever that next level is. And I think to me, the legacy is it are those people, right? Like that's those people, when your name comes up, you know, in a gym or a coffee shop or whatever. And they're like, man, that guy was awesome. You know, he, he stopped what he was doing. You know, I, I have people thank me all the time. And like, I wouldn't have got my, you know, boat captain qual if it wasn't for you pushing me and helping me. And, you know, that's, that's the legacy I want to leave behind. And to me, legacy is like what people say about you after you're gone, whether that's after you walk out the gate, you know, you, you leave the job or you, you pass away or whatever, but it's like the stuff that people will say about you after you're gone. I love it. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of yours will come from that creative writing piece, whether you know it or not, you know, whether it's the rule of 10, the trust deposits or the book and the pen, you know, the book and the pen is just an amazing story that I think needs to be heard everywhere. And so um, I'm incredibly grateful that you came on the podcast today. You know, you're always nervous when you start a podcast as a host whether or not you're going to be able to actually like exemplify who you're bringing on and the knowledge that they have and do them justice and everything. But I think we have today. And, uh, you know, part of that is because you're a great communicator. So I feel like we were able to accomplish that today. So I appreciate you coming on brother. Yeah, I appreciate you too, Doug. And, you know, you talked about, um, like what can guy, you were the first person that I was introduced to through this honor foundation. You know, you start like this, Mm-hmm. And they kind of dial you in. You were the first person that like no military background, just, you know, Brenda saw a, a good link up. And mm-hmm. so like really kind of coming in cold, you took the call, you listened to what I had to say and you gave me some good advice. And then you opened up your Rolodex and introduced me to Harry. And that's, that's going well. Right. Mm-hmm. And I could tell you that my, if, if I was standing on a ledge with one foot off nervous about making this leap into the civilian world, I probably took like five steps back that day from the edge. You know, my anxiety levels, my worry, my stress, I I felt like this overwhelming, like I'm going to be okay. And so like, what can your people, what can the people in your line of work do is just take the call. Like, and it may not be in, in solar panels. Right. But it may Mm -hmm. light bulb go off. You're like, Hey, talk to my uh, friend, Christy or Jimmy or whoever, and just help these people find employment. it, it's it's huge, man, and I can't thank you enough for um, doing this. The call we had before, the connection with Harry, it's all awesome, man. So thank you very much. Yeah, and we'll uh, hopefully we can get that hashtag trending too. Take the call. <laughs> take the a, call, right? I did the post the other day that t- take the call, but whenever we put all this stuff out, we'll be sure to include that hashtag as well. But yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it is it's it's serving me just as much as it's 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 serving you being able to give back to the to the military like that. And it, and it is, it's just a phone call. Like it's, That's I probably it. do 10 of them a day. You know what I mean? So if yeah. you can have one that makes an impact like this, I mean, honestly, it's almost, it's, it's almost selfish. You know what I'm saying? It really is yeah. self-serving at, at that point. It's, it's, part, it's part of your legacy, you know, yeah. like your legacy will live on through me. Like I'll talk, I'll say your name for the rest of my life. Like this guy, Doug, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that adds to your legacy. Absolutely, brother. Well, again, I appreciate you coming on the show. 
it was an honor having you on the show and uh, look forward to seeing what you do from here. All right, man. Thanks, Doug. Have a good one. All right. Let's get building. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.